Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we will be discussing a topic titled Best Management Practices for Livestock and Farm Operations to Stop the Spread of a Virus. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Brian Vanderlei, who's a Nebraska Extension Veterinary Epidemiologist based at the Great Plains Veterinary Education Center near Clay Center, Nebraska. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me on, Aaron. Well, Brian, obviously, as we record this, we're in a situation where the COVID-19 virus for the last three months has really been a major topic of conversation. And the focus of our discussion today really is going to be thinking about how producers might think about using some management practices to plan for and try to address minimizing risk as they think about having COVID-19 impact their business. Give some perspective on some things that producers might want to think through and and then also thinking about how we relate this as we even think about livestock production to managing a viral type situation. Yeah, we're in a a situation where we we normally get to talk about cattle and and things related to livestock production, but right now the major topic of discussion for today is actually talking about virus transmission in people and its impact on livestock. So there's the, the neat thing for us today are that we can draw some parallels between what we know about transmitting disease between animals and also what we would what we know to be true about us. So today the I think the major topic is to make sure that people are aware of how epidemics work, uh, both for the purposes of protecting themselves, their loved ones, and their operations from the impacts of COVID nineteen. But also uh, going forward, it's it's great to learn something about how these things work in our livestock operations. But I think the the biggest theme that I'd really like people to take away from today's discussion, and from the the piece that this is this podcast is based on, is that uh, we need to have some plans in place for when things don't go the way we expect them to, to make sure that each of our operations continues on and and stays as healthy as possible in all respects, right? Health of the employees and the people involved, health of the, the finances of the operation and to make sure that we take care of the livestock that we uh, are, have entrusted to us. I think many folks are probably already well aware of some of the practices that are being encouraged in terms of social distancing, uh, ways to minimize risk let's kind of go one step further and just talk about what does a pandemic look like? What does it do? And how do we think about that as it relates both to humans and to livestock animals that we take care of? Yeah. So epidemics or a pandemic in this case is, it simply means a widespread disease event. Um, There's, there's three things that an epidemic requires to be, to become a reality. An epidemic requires a large number of susceptible people in a population or susceptible individuals, so they haven't seen the pathogen before. And epidemics are basically driven by three factors. One is the infectivity of the pathogen itself, so whether or not it's easily infected. So a couple good examples. Right now, we we all have a lot of exposure to uh, information relative to this COVID-19 it is a relatively infectious virus, meaning that if if you come into contact with even a relatively small amount for a short period of time, you're you're very likely to become infected. 
but it's not nearly as infectious as some viruses we know about. For instance, viruses like measles in people are far more infectious than what we think this one is right now. But an example of something that's far less infectious would be something like tuberculosis, where it takes a long sustained contact for people to become infected, or at least longer and more sustained. Another factor is the duration of the infection. So how long you are an infected individual sheds the pathogen basically creates the infectious doses for other individuals. In our particular situation, COVID-19 is shedding for about 14 days, maybe longer in some people. I've seen numbers as high as 30. So all of the, most people are shedding for 14 days or less if they become infected. And then it, an epidemic also requires uh, a high number of what's called effective contacts. So contacts that actually allow the virus to move from one individual to another. So by modifying any one of those three parameters, you can actually intensify or dampen the epidemic, which is what all the things that are happening in our world today are all about. So the, the best way probably to, uh, at least the, the most comfortable way to manage an epidemic is to manage infectivity. And part of the way that we do that is we make individuals non-susceptible or unsusceptible to the, the pathogen. So the way we all most uh, readily recognize that is through the use of vaccination. So we can prevent a lot of epidemics through effective vaccination. We do this all the time in people with things like influenza vaccines or uh, whooping cough vaccines or measles vaccines, things like that. But at the, at the moment, there is no vaccine available for COVID-19. So since that isn't in the toolbox and we can't control the duration of infection, the next most effective mechanism to control the epidemic is through decreasing effective contacts, which is essentially all the stuff that we're reading about in the news, social distancing, careful management of coughs and sneezes, disinfection. Those are all mechanisms to reduce effective contacts between effect, infected and non-infected people. And it turns out that those same mechanisms are useful in livestock too. So if we, if we know we have issues with infections, we can decrease those effective contacts, which turns out to be exactly the mechanism that we're using in something like the Nebraska Sandhills calving system. Yeah, I think it's really interesting as we think about managing livestock. Most of us think about already, if we're bringing in outside cattle, many people have a plan in place to keep those cattle separate from the rest of the herd for a while, especially if you're thinking about breeding stock. Really many of those same principles that we talk about in minimizing risk of disease are the same principles we're applying here, aren't they? They are, yep. It turns out that an epidemic is pretty much an epidemic. Unfortunately, in the case we're in right now, it's, it's a huge epidemic involving humans with a, with a high cost to human life. But it, it bears the same characteristics that we would see in our, in our agricultural epidemics. Dr. Vanderlei, talk a little bit about developing a plan to deal with situations like this. Obviously, this is a unique situation. We haven't seen anything quite like this in a human population for uh, a little over 100 years. But as we think about this and we think about ag operations, what are some things they can try to do 
now and also maybe have a plan in place should situations like this arise in the future to help them minimize risk and keep the operation functioning and moving forward in a situation like this. So let's, let's talk about what we can do right now and then we'll talk about future plans in just a second. So right now, there are a lot of recommendations that are out there from health departments, but they're actually relatively simple. Um, as, as we've all heard many times, and I'll just quickly repeat, it's, it's all about minimizing the effective contact. So social distancing, staying home if we can, practicing good hygiene, avoid touching our, our faces, covering coughs and sneeze, and, and most recently the CDC actually recommended covering our mouth and nose with a cloth face cover when we're around others. So these are all effective ways to make sure that virus is less able to get from one individual to the next. And, and that is a, in, in our systems, especially because we're, we're talking mainly about food production systems, it's really important that we continue on. People need to eat. We need to continue to produce the things that we're uh, producing, be they livestock or crops, to make sure that people stay fed, which means that we have to keep going. So there is a, um, a a little best management practices article that I'm sure you'll link to associated with this podcast that people can look at for some of the specifics. But I think for right now, one of the critical things that operations need to be thinking about is what happens if somebody or, or a significant number of the people associated with the, the operation have one of two things happen. One is they become infected themselves and become somewhat incapacitated, depending on how sick they get. And two is what if they get quarantined for some reason, so they're not able to move around in the ways that they have uh, become accustomed to. One of the, the, the first one is serious. That's a serious medical issue that is definitely going to have an impact on the operation. The second one, while the person may not be in as much danger, they're still functionally, they might be out of the labor force for the operation for a period of time. So what, what we've put together is essentially a really brief layout for some things to think about. And we, we don't think these are, you know, they're, they're not comprehensive, but they certainly are a good starting point for operations right now. And the major points of this are essentially, there's five major points. And those points are identify the essential activities of an operation so for livestock operations, this is going to be things like feeding cattle, making sure that uh, sick cattle are identified and treated, making sure that if any processing that's really critical to the health and well-being of those cattle uh, gets done, a few, a few things like that. But it probably doesn't include things like include fencing or something like that, right? If Unless the, the fencing gets in the way of animals staying where they're supposed to stay. But it's an operation by operation system to identify the things that are most essential to keep the operation moving, make sure the animals are cared for. The second step of that is to identify who is primarily responsible for completing those essential activities. So who does those things now and what the skill sets that are needed for each of those are. And the third thing to identify and potentially train a secondary set of people. That, that might have to do those things if the primary individual becomes incapacitated. And another piece of that is to determine how those essential activities might have to be modified 
if those primary individuals become unavailable. So just to give you an example of these steps, um, take a feedlot, for instance. So you might say that uh, the, the feeding is an essential activity and a feedlot, it would be absolutely essential. You have a person who's primarily responsible for that. What they need to be able to do to feed cattle is uh, know how to run the feed truck, know how to put feed in the bunks, be consistent in terms of how they distribute that feed, what time they deliver the feed, Anything else that's critical about that job should be added to that list as you, you think about feeding cattle in a feedlot. And then identify a person who maybe knows how to do some of or, or all of that stuff as, as a secondary individual. And then decide maybe uh, they need some training, like maybe they need to spend a couple days in the feed truck just to make sure they're brushed up in case the, the primary person gets in trouble. And then maybe it's worthwhile thinking about some diet changes that might be necessary to offset a little bit more inconsistency in terms of time and distribution of that feed and delivery, just to make sure that if person, the, the primary person becomes unavailable, that the second person can do a good job, but recognize that they may not have the skills to do the best job and offset the impact of that by modifying the diet a little bit. That's just one example. So those are the types of things that we're we think would be useful to think about before people become incapacitated or, or unavailable to the operation because of quarantine. There's lots of specifics to think about inside each of those categories. Um, it's, it's worth thinking about separating teams a little bit, making sure that if, if your primary feed truck driver, for instance, often spends a lot of time with your secondary feed truck driver, if one of them gets infected, they're probably both going to get infected. So making an effort to separate those people as much as possible might be valuable in a time like this one. Other things to think about are if you need to transition from a feed truck driver who's become infected to one who isn't infected, how to clean the feed truck. Because most likely the first person was shedding before they fell ill and probably have contaminated some of the surfaces in that truck. So thinking about how you'd clean that truck in between people to make sure that the second one didn't get infected. So there's a lot of those recommendations that are available in this little management practices. A lot of those things are applicable to more than just livestock producers. Uh, we got a few little points in here for uh, people doing crops uh, in terms of planning and some of the activities that are going on right now as well. So long-term, I think what, we, what we're seeing in, in this situation is that there is a need for some, probably the best way to put it is disaster preparedness planning to make sure that when we get into uncertain times, there's a plan in place that will help the operation continue on, even if some critical people become unavailable or some tough stuff happens. So uh, in this case, we're talking about people uh, not being available to the operation on a, on a consistent basis. We've seen some other really important implications. For instance, right now, a lot of people are really struggling because distillers grains have been, they've, they've become very expensive and really difficult to get. And that's changed how people feed their cattle really quickly and probably not in a great way. You cannot anticipate all of these types of things, but you can anticipate that in a bad situation, feed might become difficult to get. And if that happens, what's the plan? 
And I, there are some really uh, nice contingency planning or disaster planning resources available. Uh, I know Tyler Williams is working on some operations level contingency plan. He has one for a cropping system. He has one for a cow-calf system. There's uh, contingency plans in place for foreign animal diseases that actually have a tremendous amount of overlap with the type of stuff we're dealing with right now where movement of both people and products is limited. Uh, the, those are called secure beef supply plans and they apply to feedlot and cow-calf operations. And they're something that's uh, very valuable to have in place anyway, but they are beginning to show some particular value right now as it, it helps operations go through the process of identifying essential activities and putting plans in place to make sure that those essential activities continue on even if uh, really unexpected and terrible things happen. Well, obviously these are challenging times and I think situations we haven't dealt with before, but I think some of the things you highlighted today, having a plan, some of the principles that maybe we want to think through that maybe we haven't thought through before as we think about handling uh, possibility of employees becoming infected with something that's highly contagious and then how do we move forward in a way that hopefully uh, protects the operation and allows the business to continue. Anything else you'd mm -hmm. like to highlight as we point towards wrapping this up? It's always important to remember that epidemics will end and I think people should look forward to that. I think we need to be really careful right now to do what's needed to bring this one to a close as quickly as possible and that really is following those CDC guidelines but epidemics they always come to an end. So there's hope, there's a, there's a time in the future where we'll be able to look back on it. And I think we, we should bear that in mind because it it's difficult right now. And, and I think another really important piece of this is uh, I've talked to a number of individuals who are, who are really going through some, some tough times. Again, we've seen this several times in the last uh, year or two here in Nebraska. And make sure that if, if you're struggling personally that you, you reach out to someone that matters to you and and don't be afraid to ask for that help especially uh, if, if it's becoming overwhelming and if you know people who are becoming overwhelmed uh, make sure you take care of them too uh, this is it's not easy and we we need to take care of ourselves and those we love in, in times like this to make sure that we all get to the other side of it and continue on in better times well thanks again for joining me today yeah a little, little bit of a darker uh, podcast today, but I hope people are doing well, and I hope this is useful to them. And uh, we'll have a, we'll have a better podcast soon. For more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, you will be able to find the article that was discussed in today's podcast, and the title of that is "Best Management Practices for Livestock and Farm Operations to Stop the Spread of a Virus."